okay, because of uh, Mother's Day. But I hope I can make it worth your while, and I hope what we've done so far has made it worth your while. Uh, we're in the middle of a, a series called The Treasure Principle, and uh, what we've been looking at is the relationship that we have sometimes that's not healthy with stuff. Uh, and, and I got my treasure right here, okay? Remember from last week, those of you who were here. And, and just to tell you guys, if, if you weren't here last week, I would so encourage you to go back to our website and, and watch what we did last week because it was really helpful for me. It was helpful for so many people to get a perspective. Uh, what we're talking about is, is really for us to have a healthy relationship with possessions. And so go to the website. There's also quiet times there. And if you uh, want the color version of our newsletter, which has discussion questions on the back, you can go to the website and it's there. It's much better than the black and white that we got here. So we'll keep rolling. You know, all of us are in search of a treasure. All of us. We're on a treasure hunt. And we're looking for a treasure. But the problem is we find it in the wrong places. Jesus came here to help us understand the right treasure. And it's not a thing, okay? It's not a box with gold in it. Uh, it's not a car. It's not a house. It's not a career. It's a person. And it's God. God wanted us to get this point so badly that he sent his son to become a man and to die for us so we could understand that. And Jesus didn't come to start a new religion. He came to introduce a vastly different relationship. And, and so God's not interested in us being religious. He's interested in starting a relationship with us. And that's all you've heard so far. This is about a relationship. And so that's, that's what we do as a church. Our mission as a church is we want to lead people into a growing relationship with God. If you want to know what we're up to as a church, why we invited you here, why we keep calling you to come back and be at our church and come to our small groups, this is what we're after. We want you to have a relationship with God because we never know when things are going to end. And so last week we looked at this, this parable, and this is kind of the overhanging parable from Matthew chapter 13, and Jesus described it this way. There was a man on a journey, and he was looking for a treasure. And so when he, when he went through this, this piece of land, he found it by accident. He stumbled upon it. And when he found it, he sold everything he had to get that plot of land so he could have that treasure. And Jesus said, just like this man went through all that for that treasure chest, that's how people are going to be when they understand the kingdom of heaven. And when they understand, I can have a relationship with God. How can you compare a relationship with God, the kingdom of God, with anything? So we're not going to watch that video again today. We'll skip it uh, just for time's sake. But Jesus talked about money a lot. And, and just so you know, uh, as a church, you know, you've already heard a lot, but we don't talk about money a lot. But we're really not talking about you giving to the church. What we're really talking about in this whole series is a right relationship with things. Because I got to share with you today. You know, Jesus is looking out for our hearts. He's looking out for our lives. Because a lot of people have created problems for themselves. And so last week what we talked about is this treasure principle. Okay, and this is, this is the treasure principle for the whole series is you can't take it with you. But you can send it on ahead. Jesus told us a fact basically broke it down. 
You're either going to lose your treasure if it's a thing. You're either going to lose it or you're going to leave it to somebody else. You can't take it with you. That's the principle we looked at. So for us, we've got to start thinking, okay, if I can't take it with me, what am I going to do about where I'm going? Am I prepared to go where I'm going? Am I really going to be a part of the kingdom? Is, is, is my life in, in a right relationship with God so that he will accept me? And those are huge questions that you have to have. And Jesus has all the answers to those questions. So if you allow yourself to learn and sit at his feet, he can help you with that. And this is a scripture that we looked at last week. And this is, this is how it kind of breaks down. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be. If your treasure's here, could you imagine the state of your heart? It's cold. It's sterile. It's a thing. It's empty. And it's actually very susceptible to change, as we, we've heard about. And so I started this spoof last week. Remember? Me and my treasure. And you remember the picture we took? I had to tell you what we did last, last, this past week, me and my treasure. Uh, me and my treasure went out to, to lunch this past week and we were chilling and I want you to notice the lady right behind the treasure box. Okay. She's like, what in the world is this guy doing? And then I gotta, I gotta show you the waiter cause he didn't get it either. Why, why are you ordering something for your treasure? It's a box with stuff. Okay, and he, he was really weirded out. He, he stuck his tongue out, out at me at, at one point. And then, then, you know, later on, I went and chilled out at the bookstore with me and my treasure. It's silly, isn't it? But here's the reality. This is real. This is what people do with stuff. And I got I to share, I told you, I promised you last week that I would share some dirt. Because, you know, even though I'm up, here, I'm up here giving the lesson, I want you guys to know I understand this personally. And I've made big mistakes when it comes to possessions. A number of years ago, back in 2003, God blessed, you know, we, we lived in a house in Orange County and the real estate market was up. And so we, we moved to Florida. And at that time, I was extremely discouraged as a minister, made a lot of mistakes. You know, we, we had a model in our ministry that was a failed model. It wasn't working. And so I was in this situation where I'm like, should I stay in the ministry or should I go a different direction? I'm not really sure. And I had many friends who had left the ministry as well. And they were doing very well in their careers. So when I was there in Florida, I was close to my family, but guess what starts happening to the real estate market? It's gone through the roof. And our house that we had in Florida more than doubled in value was significant. And so things were going great. And the pull was even stronger. And, and one of my friends, he says, listen, I know you're discouraged. Why don't you come out of the ministry and let's do business together? And I said, no, I can't. I got these voices in my head, okay, that are telling me, you promised that you weren't going to quit you promised you were going to do this for the rest of your life. Guess whose voice it was? Not God's. It was my own voice. See, because when you deliver messages, God has this funny way of reminding of you of what you said in that message. And that's what I remembered. And I said, I can't quit. 
I can't quit. But when things are going well in another department of your life, you start to lean in. And so I talked about it with Laura. I said, I said, there's such a great opportunity. It's Florida. All these baby boomers are going to retire in Florida. The real estate market's going to go crazy. So we started investing in, in properties, investment properties. And the end of the story is in 2008, we got killed. My credit score got killed. We got killed financially. And everything went south. I learned a hard lesson. And I remember Laura a few years before, and for husbands out there, I remember, you know, when we were, when it was, when it was cruising, it was going well, she goes, oh, I don't know, I feel uncomfortable. And me as a great husband, I go, it's okay. It's going to work out. This is an opportunity. And you know what? She was right. And you know what? If I'd had this treasure principle, it would have made all the difference in my life at that time. And we don't know what's coming up in the future. And I hope you'll hang on to this, this series that we're doing because it may save you from exactly what we're going to look at. Look what Timothy said about people. For the love of money, the wrong relationship with money is the root of all kinds of evil. See, a lot of times we think about the, the, the love of money, it's greed. It's one kind of evil. No, 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 no. You don't understand. The love of money leads you into all kinds of evil. He goes on and he says, some people eager for money have wandered from the faith. I know people who did that. And they have pierced themselves. Now, when you see this word pierce themselves, you think, oh, it's an earring. No, 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 no. We're not talking about an earring. We're not talking about a nose ring. We're talking about what Jesus what he was pierced, his side, and he bled. Extreme pain. I'm talking about losing your marriage. I'm talking about losing your family. I'm talking about a lot of hardship and pain. And just so you guys know, it's going to take me a few more years to clean up my mess. But you know what? I'm grateful for a new start, and I'm grateful for God to say, you know what? You messed up but I'm going to help you and we're going to get back to get, get things back together. But from now on, you're going to have a good perspective about this. And it says they've pierced themselves with many griefs. I know, I know there's plenty of stories out there today. Many of you have been through horrific hardships financially. And some of you young people, if you get this, you can avoid so much hardship in the future. So I hope you'll pay attention today because this could mean the difference between you holding on to stuff or some really, really hard times. So let's get busy with what we're talking about. We're going to look at a few passages that talk about who's God and all the stuff that we have. Job chapter 41, verse 11. Okay, you with me? It's up on the screen. Job chapter 41. Okay, everything under heaven belongs to me. Can you say it with me? Say the word everything. Everything, everything belongs to me, God says. Then Psalm 24, verse 1, the earth is the Lord's, and say it with me, everything in it, the world and all who live in it. The next verse, Haggai chapter 2, verse 8 says, silver is mine and gold is mine. Somebody say silver. silver. Somebody say gold. gold. Who owns the gold and who owns the silver? 
Okay, so outside of everything, what do we own? Now, I know for you, if you're a guest here and you're not sure if the Bible and you're not sure if all this, I just want you to think about this. It may have your name on it now, the car, the stuff, but when you're gone, whose name will be on it? It won't be yours. And the sooner you understand that, the sooner you can have a right relationship with that stuff. Deuteronomy chapter eight, verse 18. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the what? Say the word. Ability. Ability to produce wealth. So even the ability, not just the stuff, the ability to get this, to work for this, to obtain this, where does it come from? It comes from God. Everything is his. He owns everything. And he gives us even the ability. And then this last verse, and this only speaks to those of you who are followers of Christ. If you're not a follower of Christ, you're not a follower of Jesus, this doesn't speak to you because you're still your own. But if you're a follower of Jesus, this, this verse speaks to you. It says you were not your own. You were bought at a price. What was the price of your purchase? It was God's son. You see, and, and we got to start thinking this way because in this whole thing, we got to understand if God owns everything, what's really mine? What is really mine? But I know, I know for a fact, you're going to walk out of here today and you're going to look at your car and you're going to go, this is my car. <laughs> and you're going to say, I'm going to my house later on today and I'm going to watch my TV and, and you go down the list. This is mine. This is mine. This is mine. I'm the owner. And you know what God's trying to tell us? No, you're not. Here's the reality. You may think it's yours, but it's on loan. It's on loan. It's not yours. You just have it for now. And sooner or later, you're going to lose it or you're going to leave it. And the sooner you can wrap your, round on, your mind around that, the better off and the healthier relationship you're going to have with stuff. God hasn't surrendered his claim to all the treasures. Okay? It's still his. He can sit around and wait, and you think it's yours. Donald Trump thinks it's his. Warren Buffett thinks it's his. But God says, yeah, we'll see. You're going to be gone soon. And all of us will be gone soon. And then whose is it? It's still his. It's still his. And God did not die and leave the earth to me or anyone else. That's the reality. And the sooner we can understand that, the sooner we can have peace and understand why I'm here. And so this is the key number one, okay? You can write this one down. You can, you can put it in your phone as the, the, as the treasure principle key number one. Okay, and this is huge. These are the things you want to write down and remember. Treasure key principle number one is God owns everything, including you. You're his. He owns you. Now, he lets you have choices and do what you do with your life. But you're his. And... This is, the, this is the principle. God owns everything, and I'm merely his money manager. Now, when you think about money managers, when you think about the way they work, they call them stewards, 
Money managers, when you hire a money manager, when you hire a professional, what's their job title? What do they think about all day long when they think about, I'm your money manager? How can I help the owner and, and act in his best interests? Do you do that with your stuff? The, the, the money manager, the steward, he carries no sense of entitlement with the assets because they're not his. He doesn't think, this is, this is my stuff. Everything he thinks about, everything he does is for the owner's benefit. If he's a money manager and he starts taking privileges with that money, what happens to him? You're fired because he knows there's going to be an evaluation. He knows they're gonna, we're going to sit down and we're going to see, did you do what I asked you to do? It's the same with God. Our lives, we're going to have to give an account. And, and, and it's also the money manager's responsibility. It's his job to find out what the owner wants done with his assets. Just this point alone, just this point alone, if I'd have thought this way when I started making all those property investments, wow, what a difference it would have made. But I can tell you from here forward, I want to put this way of thinking before I make the purchase, before I make these, God, what do you want me to do with this? And all of us, most of us in this country, we have what we call a little extra left over after our checks, right? It's called a dispensable income. Okay, you make money and you pay your bills and there's some left over. What will you do with that left over? And how do you think about it? And too often we think, well, it's mine and I'm going to go have some fun. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but are you considering that money and going, hey, God, what do, you, what do you want me to do with this? How do you want me to use it? Where do you want me to invest it? Because it is yours. Now, if you're not in this, this position of believing this and saying, well, no, I don't know if I believe that. Okay, just hang around, lean in, listen, and you're going to see this makes sense. Another thing is, whenever we think we own something, it's a red flag. It should send a warning to you. When you walk around and you got, you got all your stuff on your, your, your arms and you, and you think, hey, this is mine and this is mine, you, you need to understand there needs to be a red flag. I, I am not, because anytime you think it's yours, you're in danger of having a wrong relationship with stuff and getting too attached to it. Instead of realizing, this is on loan. I don't know how long I'm going to have it. And if I buy it, should I buy it? Should I consider it? Look what it says here in Romans chapter 14, verse 10 and verse 12. For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. So then each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. Wow. Talk about a sobering. And as I was going through this series, I had to think back about the junk. And you know what I did? I said, God, forgive me, forgive me for all that stupid stuff. And I asked for it before, but I'm asking for it again. Because I wasn't a good steward. You know, and a lot of us haven't been good stewards. The good news is we can start over. We can, we can do this right. And we can make this right with God. And it will be awesome for our future. Another thing, you know how they have names on the ledgers of, of, of people and situations? You know, like here's, here's John and here's Susan. Your name's going to be on a ledger. And God's going to evaluate how you did 
with all the blessings that you got. It's a great blessing to live in this country, isn't it? Have you traveled outside this country? Have you gone down, you know, south of the border? Have you looked down there, what people are, conditions they're living in, what they do and don't have? We have people come here and they live here for a few months and they look and their jaw drops. I can't believe how you guys live. You got it all and they want to stay. And I'm like, be careful because it's a trap. But God's going to call us into account. I put you in the most wealthy country in the world. What did you do with that, with all that wealth? What did you do with all that responsibility, with all that stuff that you had? What did you do? Big question. And you need to be, I'm not going to tell you what to do with it, but you need to be the one to think about it and to consider it. We're going to change gears. Today's Mother's Day. Can't leave you guys out. Can't leave the mothers out. Here's something that God loves. He loves a cheerful giver. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7. God loves a cheerful giver. When I thought about giving and the joy of giving, I thought about mothers. You know, because there's probably no other person on earth. Kids, think about this. Who has done more for you than anyone on the planet? Put up with more junk. I mean, yesterday I'm talking to my mom on the phone and, and I'm going, you know, I just felt guilty. I said, you know what? Thank you for all you put up with because I'm going back through it. And I'm going, oh, I made her feel so bad sometimes around your time, your age for the teenagers. It was awful. It was awful. I put her through the dark place. It was not good. But who would do that? I asked a few moms these last couple of days and I said, what do you feel when you give and you give and you give and you give like moms do? Look at, look at this woman's face. Look what moms do with their kids. What do you feel when you give and give and give? I asked them. You know what they said? Joy. It's hard sometimes, but there's a sense of fulfillment for mothers. And mothers, you know this. When you give to your children and you love your children, you provide for your children, and it's, you know it's this way when it comes to giving and taking with your children. You're giving like a hundred times more than you get with your children. But what do you feel when you give that much? Joy. Pure joy. So guys, let's take a lesson. Let's all of us stand back and think about that. What are going to be the happiest people? Givers. People who give, and it's not just about money, it's about give of yourself, give of your heart, give. And God's trying to tell us, I love a cheerful giver. If you don't want to give, please don't. Please don't, because God doesn't want an angry, bitter giver, somebody with an edge. He does not want that. He's saying, keep your stuff. I don't want it. I'll get it later. That's the reality. But a lot of it comes down to our hearts, guys. It comes down to our hearts. Where's your heart? Learn from moms today. And I just want to say, moms, you guys are amazing. Because you give so much. Take that to another level, all of us, and think about giving to God and giving to people in need. When you think about giving, do you think of these words? Fun, joy, 
excitement? Do you think about wonderful? You know, do you think about all these incredible things, the, the flashy things? Do you think about, you know, happy thoughts when you give? That's a heart test. That's a heart test. See, because if it's not making you happy to give, you've got a wrong relationship. Like that woman in the restaurant, she's looking at me like, what's wrong with this guy? He's having lunch with a box. Okay? If we can't give, something's missing. And we got to take, we got to trust God on this one. Sometimes God says, I love a, a joyful giver, but sometimes we don't, we're not joyful. And we think, well, I'm not joyful, so I'm not going to give. Here's, here's one of the principles that we're going to look at in this whole thing is we're going to look at, okay, enough with the stars already. Okay, more stars, more stars. All right, let's look at a verse here. 2 Corinthians 8, verse 2 Corinthians 8, verse 1 through 9, but we're just going to look at verse 2. It says, in the midst, and this is, this is Paul talking about the church in Macedonia. Listen to this verse. It's incredible. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. Now, when you think about these words, these four sets of words, severe trial, overflowing joy, extreme poverty, and rich generosity, what do they have in common? Giving changes everything. These guys in Macedonia were going through a severely hard time. And they, they, they pleaded with Paul, said, Paul, let us give. We want to give. We got to give. Give us a chance to give. Then in verse 4, it says, they urgently pleaded with us, the Macedonian church. Paul's talking to the Corinthian church about the Macedonian churches. And he says, they urgent plead with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. Who were they giving for? The Lord's people in Judea. I mean, they were, they were going through a really hard time themselves. And they say, hey, I, I, I want to give Paul. And Paul's like, I don't want your, you can't take it. You, you, got, you got to take care of your own stuff. And they said, no, no, no. You don't understand. We're, we're so blessed. And, and, and here's, here's a quote. We're most like God when we're giving. You want to be like God? You want to share some of his characteristics? Start giving. Start giving. Start sharing. Start, start passing things around to help other people. You're most like God when you're like that. And here's another quote. Gaze upon Jesus long enough and you'll become a giver. Give long enough and you'll become more like Jesus. See, because there was no greater giver than Jesus. He gave it all. He gave it all for you and me. So if you want to be more like God, and you want to be more like Jesus, then start giving. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1, it says, and, and now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. So what started this whole desire for them to start giving? What was it that got them going? And, and pleading with Paul, let me give, let me give, let me give. What was it? It's right here, this word. See it? Grace. See, because understand this. As thunder follows lightning, giving follows 
grace. I love this in the plains, you know, or in Florida when you're out by the ocean. We get thunderstorms like crazy. That's where I grew up. You look out over the ocean and these huge thunderheads come in. Huge. I mean, they're just dark and black. And then all of a sudden you see this bolt and you look and then comes thunder. And it's the coolest thing to watch. The same effect happens when you've been struck by God's grace. You just can't help but give. If you're not willing to give, I question whether the grace of God has gotten into your heart yet. But I know when people are generous, I know why they're generous, because the grace of God, they're just like, hey, I have everything. God's given me everything. It's all his anyway. How can I give? How can I give? 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus, that though he was rich, he's the son of God. He had everything. Yet for your sake, he became poor so that through his poverty, who would become rich? You. Me. He made us rich. He made us wealthy. He gave us everything. He gave us forgiveness. He gave us a new start. Even through this series. You heard it in the communion. You hear it all over the place. God gives us everything. He makes us so wealthy in here. In here. But what did it take for God to get us there? He had to become poor. He had to give. And so I want to encourage you to think this over. Our giving was, is, a ref, is a reflexive response to the grace of God in our lives. His grace is the action our giving is the reaction. So if you're holding back, if you're holding back from giving, and it may be on the corner, it may be down the street when a poor person comes up to you and you're holding back and you go, oh, I don't know, what are they going to do with this money? Hey, you know, God's not asking you to, to do a, a, an audit of this poor person who needs help. That's not your job. Jesus said, give to those who ask you. Help them out, right? And God will give you credit for that. We give because who gave first? He did. Lightning, thunder, grace, giving. It's a natural flow. So if we are Jesus' church and the grace has struck us, shouldn't there be giving? And we're not talking about money. We're talking about more than money. Shouldn't there be a willingness to give? Hey, how can I help you? How can I help our community? How can I help our children? You know, and I appreciate so much the volunteers that we have in our church because we would not be able to do what we do without all these people helping out. But God has written it down. Thank you guys in the back. And all of you, for whatever you do. And so Paul says it this way, you know, the Macedonians. Thanks be to God for this indescribable gift. What gift is he talking about? Their giving gift? No. He's talking about the indescribable gift is the grace of God. See, because we want to get an applause. Thank you, thank you for giving, and thank you for giving. Thank you for the check that you wrote. No, 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 no. Understand this. The indescribable gift is the grace of God. The other stuff that comes along, it just, it just follows. It follows. 
You know, and here's, it's, it's a law of physics too. It's, 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 it's a law of physics. Think about this. Giving frees us from the gravitational pull of our stuff. The more you own, it's a law of physics, check it out. The more you own, the more it has a pull on you. This is a black hole. It's a huge mass. It's, it's, it's massive. And that mass is what sucks everything in. The more stuff you own, the more it has a hold on you and the more it's gonna suck you in. And guess what you do? You start to orbit your stuff. That's what you do. It's all about your stuff. And you can't break out of that orbit. It's got you completely locked in. Gravitational pull. But guess what happens when you give? Giving sets you free. The more you give, the less your stuff has a hold on you. And then your gravitational pull changes. Guess what happens? You start gravitating around what? God and people. That becomes your orbit. Which would you rather orbit around? Stuff that's like a black hole or around God and relationships, family, people, things that make a difference. I know for me, that's what I want to that's what I want to go round and round. And that's why I love our church. That's why I love what we do. Giving breaks the gravitational pull on our possessions. We enter into a new orbit around God and people and heavenly treasures. I want to tell you about a story about this guy, Eric Lydell. I wanted to show you a video, but because of time, we can't. But if you ever get to see the, the movie, 1981, Chariots of Fire, it's an amazing movie. It's an amazing movie about Olympian, uh, Olympic runners. This guy, Eric Liddell, he was from, uh, from England, and he was one of the runners. I think it was like a 400-meter uh, or maybe one lap around the, the track. And this guy won the gold medal, but there was something amazing about him. And the movie's all about him and his other competitors. This is a quote from, from Eric Liddell. And this is, his, this, is his, this is actually him, a picture of him. This is a quote from the movie, but this is his quote. I believe God made me for a purpose. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. See, he understood something. I'm God's, and he made me for a purpose. And when I fulfill that purpose, I feel his pleasure. He was an awkward runner. He would run with his mouth wide open like this. Ah, he'd throw his head back. Watch the movie. It's pretty cool. But all of his competitors couldn't understand what was going on when he'd run around that track. See, because for him, running was a spiritual act. The same could be said when you give. I believe God gave me all this stuff. And when I give, I feel his pleasure with what I do. And it's not just giving possessions, it's giving of your gifts. What are you good at? What are you good at? What do you do? And are you offering that up to God saying, I want to do what I do best for him? That's why I couldn't leave the ministry. Could I go out and make money? Sure, but it's not my calling. It's not why he made me. See, he made me for a particular purpose. He made me to work with people, to help people. And so when I do that, I feel his pleasure. I want to encourage you this week 
to start thinking about what is the, the thing that he created you to do and to feel his pleasure. And for all of us, giving includes that. So we're not going to watch the video. Sorry, you can, you can watch. Maybe we'll post it on the, on the, on the website. All right, so let's break it down. Let's, let's, let's finish this because the Latins are going to want to come in and run us out. <laughs> Who should you give to? Who should you give to? Number one, to God, because it is his, and he wants to use it. Here's a verse. God said this, Numbers 18, verse 24. I give to the Levites as their inheritance the tithes that the Israelites present an offering to the Lord. And I just got to say this. I get to do what I do because of your offerings. All of our ministry staff get to do what we do because of your offerings, but you're not giving to us. That's what this passage is saying. You're not giving to the ministry staff. You're giving to God. And that's so important. We don't even touch the money. As you notice, when we took the collection, there's a group of people who don't work in the ministry. They collect it. They count it. They deposit it. Then we've got another group who determines the salary for this ministry staff. It never touches us. And we do that on purpose. Because we don't want any stuff. It happens out there, but we don't want it. See, and, and too often we think, well, I'm giving to the church. No, you're giving to God. It's a spiritual act. And that's the way he, God wanted them. And then now what God does with those tithes is he turns around and takes care of the spiritual leadership, which I'm very grateful for. And then number two, give to the poor and needy. God talks about this a lot. In fact, this passage that we're looking at, you can write it down and read it later. Isaiah 58, verse 6 through 10. This passage talks about when you give to the poor, it gets God's attention. In fact, your prayer life will change if you take care of the poor and needy. You don't want to know who was the first Gentile to get in the kingdom after Jesus' ministry started? His name was Cornelius. You know why he got in the kingdom first? Because he had a regular prayer life and he took care of the poor and the needy. You want to get God's attention? You want him to look at you? Hey, like the little kid in the video. Hey, mom, look at me. Look at me. Look at me. You want that? You want to get God's attention? Take care of the poor and needy. And you can do that anywhere. There's plenty of poor and needy. He says it here in Jeremiah 22, verse 16. He defended the cause of the poor and the needy, and so all went well. Is that not what it means to know me, declares the Lord? When we take care of the poor and needy, it's like we understand the heart of God. All right, so let's wrap this up. I got one more story to share with you. King Tut. How many of you heard of King Tut? Okay. King Tut was a 17-year-old pharaoh of Egypt. He died young. And they believed, as many of us believe, that you can take it with you. So they entombed him in a gold, pure gold coffin. Then there was a gold casket. Then there was a gold room. And they, they, they piled it with all kinds of gold stuff. And then there was a room inside of that room and a room and a room and a room. Did King Tut take it with him? 3,000 years later, it was discovered, his tomb. He took nothing with him. You want to know what the total value in today's monetary terms of what was left behind that they thought they were going to send it with him? It was huge. $680 million set aside 
thinking that he's gonna send, they're going to send it on to heaven with him. And he didn't take a bit of it. Think about that as you think about your possessions. Now, you and I have the opportunity to send it on ahead, like we talked about last week. And it has a 10,000% return on it. That's crazy. You want to be in King Tut on the other side? Then put your treasure over there and not here. And that has to do with giving to God. It has to do with giving to the poor and the needy. The Bible talks about it a lot. So let's end this. So Luke chapter 16, verse 11 through 12. If you do not, if you've not been trustworthy in the handling of worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? Meaning over there. And this is Jesus talking. And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? Understand this. When we get to the other side, those of us that are going to go there and that want to go there and are moving in that direction, you're going to be a property owner. You're going to have wealth. The Bible talks about that. Jesus promised us that. You will have more than you know what to do with on the other side. And you will be rewarded based on what you've done here. That's a promise from Jesus himself. So this week, I want to encourage you. Go through your assets. And are you ready to do trust of deed and say, okay, God, I'm going to change the title on this, a deed and trust and say, it's not mine anymore. It's yours. In fact, we can put a deed of trust on the website just so you can have it and, you know, go through the motions, put God's name on it. What's that going to do to your heart? It's going to have you help you have a healthy relationship with your stuff. So that's all we have today. We're going to pray. And then I'm going to ask you, when we're done praying, stand up, and we have somebody who's going to give their life a deed of trust to Jesus today. So when we're done praying, we're going to turn around, and we're going to watch Christian give his life to God and be baptized in the name of Christ. Pray with me, if you would. Let's bow our heads. Our Father God in heaven, we thank you so much for the privilege that you've given us to have what we have to live in this country, to be given the gift of, of wealth, riches, and so much. But more than anything, God, we thank you for the generous gift that you've given us and knowing Jesus. I pray for our friends that are here with us today. God, that you please move in their hearts to understand how much you love them, how much you want them to be in a right relationship with you. God, please bless our church, help our church to serve as a vehicle for health and healing in our community. And also, Father, use our church to help the churches in Mexico and Central America. We love you, thank you, and we ask all these things in Jesus' name, amen.